Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 160 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossley in Manchester, where, surprise, surprise, it's raining. David Cameron Walker is in his uh, little bunker in central London, DC. Hello. Hello. I can't tell you whether it's raining or not. I can't see the outside world. (laughs) I was going to say, I forgot you're in your little... um... They fixed the aircon in there, by the way. Uh, no, still, still it's hot. You're still boiling to death <laughs> in there. Um, thank you so much for all the feedback, by the way, last week about the interview that you did with uh, Mike Calvin. Yeah. I got a very good response. A lot of people have gone out and bought the book as a result yeah. of it. And um, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of love for, uh, for that conversation. Well, I've, uh, yeah, absolutely. As you said, thanks very much. It's always good to hear that people enjoy it. And, you know, thanks to Mike for coming on and, and, and speaking about the book. It is a fascinating book and you know, it's good to hear that many people have gone out and, and bought it. Because, it, it really, you know, we, we sort of scratched the surface really in, in our chat last week. There's there's so much more in that book and little nuggets of, of insight and really, you know, peels back the curtain and just you get to see things and, and hear about things you just don't otherwise get to get to see. Have you got that free copy you said you were going to get for me? Uh, uh, it might have been... It found its way into other hands by now, oh, mate. For, right, okay. I'll actually have, have to mine. buy it then. Go out and okay, buy it. No, no, I'm happy to buy it. It was a put your hand in, in your pocket. Okay, I will do. I will do. Right, coming up on the show this week, then um, we're going to speak to Andy Turner, who is uh, the Coventry reporter at the Coventry Telegraph, um, covering the Sky Blues. They've had a great start to the season. Okay, they're out of the League Cup. I know that they lost on pens, but three straight wins in the league. Beat Crew 3-2 on Tuesday night this week and they won 4-0 at Millwall. And doing it in style as well, yeah. Featuring an amazing goal by a young lad called Adam Armstrong who's 18, born, get ready for this DC, on uh, in February, sorry, I don't the exact date, in February 1997. Oof. Ouch. Um, he's on loan from Newcastle so we'll talk about that and about their good start under Tony Mowbray. We won't make you do your Tony Mowbray impression mm-hmm. um, and we'll also round up what else has been going on. Plus talking of uh, the midweek action I've got my co- couple of uh, Berry games I've been to talk about this week uh, but the midweek action one of the, the fixtures which stood out was on Tuesday night at Home Park in Plymouth League 2 game between Plymouth Argyle and Carlisle United just the let me get this right where's the the actual number just the 779 mile round trip wow. for the Carlisle fans on a Tuesday to go down and see their team get stuffed by four goals to one as a result of that, of that and the fact we're going to speak to someone uh, uh, you've probably uh, heard on other podcasts before, notably on Football Weekly, uh, Ian McIntosh in just a second. I asked on Twitter, DC, for the We Are Going Up listeners to tell me their worst ever away days. 
Okay. Okay. Would you Would you like to hear some of these? Yeah. Let's Let's have a read through. See what we've got. Uh, Sean says, "Notts County fan, Rotherham away in 2014 last year. Lost six 0 on my birthday. Went with a group oh, of mates who don't even support on us. On your birthday, six 0 Jeff, Wimbledon fan. Uh, Blackburn away. Lost two 0 Missed the last train home. Got in at three thirty. One word, and it's all asterisked it out. <laughs> um, Josh, the Peterborough fan. Hartlepool away on a Tuesday night in December a couple of years ago. Nil nil. Danny, Newport away, 2014 on a Tuesday, raining soaked, missed penalty and lost. Horrific. He's a SAFN fan. Anthony, the Jills fan. Uh, Wolves 6, Gillingham nil in March 2003. Uh, Summed up lots of emoticons of sort of that hands over the face thing. What else we got? Um, Janice. Hello, Janice. Uh, Bristol City away in the cup, lost on penalties after extra extra time, got back at one o'clock, then I got a speeding ticket on the way home. (laughs) Hashtag crappy. Marco Hare. Uh, Lead 6 QPR 1 in 2004 freezing Brian Dean got 4 goals um, Jamie Oldham away 93 in the League Cup horrid journey Roy I don't know I'm not sure aware of this player Roy and the surname is W-E-G-E-R-L-E do you know who that Roy is? Roy Wegley I don't know yeah. who he is Roy Wegley former Coventry striker American yeah. Right. Uh, Roy Wegley got sent off for an in inverted commas saying something to a linesman. Lost 2 0, capital letters, miserable. Ian, Sheffield United um, beaten by Burnley in 2009 at Wembley. I took a boat, taxi, and two planes back to the UK to see us lose and not have a shot. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this this is Fantastic. Sam Berry away in the 90s 6-0 down at half time demoralising you sure need to check that half time um, Graham Stevenage family what was the final score Preston away lost 2-0 uh, sorry 2-0 down within 15 minutes never looked like scoring loads and loads of these you can still send them in actually at Waggy Podcast I might read Brilliant. some more next week I'm just trying um, to think of some yeah, of my you worst one? ones um, yes I think my worst one not necessarily in terms of score, but just in terms of overall experience, was Hull away in the 2007-2008 season, which was the season that Watford had come down from the Premier League under Boothroyd. We were trying to go back up. And we, we had this amazing start, you may remember, where we were, we were unbeaten for like the first 12 games or something. We were top of the league. We were 12 points clear. We were absolutely steamrolling uh, the division. Happy days. We're going to go straight back up. Then we lost 3-0 to West Brom in like November. And then from about November, to March we barely won a game in that whole spell we just something happened and we just com- forgot how to play football and it was horrendous and, and we were clinging on and we could see our league position going down and down and down and down and down each week and then eventually we, we managed to sneak into the playoffs on the last day but I think it was like two weeks before the end of the season we had this away game up at Hull we were fourth and if we'd won we still would have had this chance by somehow some mathematical miracle we would have had this chance to still go up automatically but Hull were right on on their game at that time they were motoring towards the playoff Phil Brown had the place rocking and they had um God, what's the guy's name the, the striker from uh, from Manchester United who went to play for Sunderland uh, Fraser Campbell uh, Fraser Ca- Fraser Campbell was was on fire I went all the way up to Hull it was a, a rainy day we were we weren't expecting much we drove all the way up there and got to Hull it was, it was absolutely teaming it down with rain and then kick off 15 seconds later Fraser Campbell bangs one into the net from 20 yards out the the, the KC Stadium absolutely erupted there was silence in the Watford end we all looked at each other and every person to a man looked at each other and just thought what are we doing here the game is over first minute and what was the, final the game score? is over I think the final score was either 3-0 or, or 3-1 they definitely scored 3 uh, the other notable thing from the game was Steve Cabber Steve bloody Cabber who was one of our supposed uh, 
you know, we signed him, I think, in January of the, the Premier League season to try and save us, as ludicrous as that sounds, uh, got sent off. Uh, <laughs> and it was miserable. It was a miserable day. I've just looked up my, my worst one, just while you were doing that answer. Uh, it was on Saturday the 14th of August, 2004. Grimsby 5, Bury 1. Oof. We were 1-0 up. Did you, away at Grimsby? Away at Grimsby. I went to Grimsby. You, at least, did you have the fish and chips, though? At least you could have had, you know, got oh, some sort of solid back 11 years, mate. I can't remember. They weren't, they weren't <laughs> soften the blow that day. Anyway, so oh, after dear. all that, um, Plymouth 4, Carlisle United 1. All the Carlisle fans went down there. And amongst them was Ian McIntosh. Now, Ian writes for ESPN. Uh, he's the editor of the set pieces. He's obviously a massive football manager. He's, he's written books on football managers. He's a football manager, know-it-all, author... Um, he's on the Football Weekly he, he's everywhere and he was there he made the journey to write a piece that you can read mad um, on the SPM website so a few minutes ago we spoke to Ian on the phone and I started by asking him what the hell possessed him to do this and how the whole idea came about <laughs> well it was uh, when the fixtures came out it, it just stuck out straight away you know the lunacy of putting that fixture on a Tuesday night so instantly you start thinking God, those poor fans, how are they going to do it? Um, and it, it just went from there. I wanted to know how they were going to do it. I wanted to know what sort of people were mad enough to follow their team, quite literally the length of the country and on a school night as well. So I got in touch with the club who put me in touch with a wonderful woman called Kate who runs the Carlisle United Supporters Away Travel Group. Um, and they very kindly put me on the bus and got me a match ticket and uh, invited me into their, their <laughs> extraordinary world. So did you go... You went all the way up to Carlisle, then down, yeah. then back up again. And then back again, yeah. And then back again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, went, I went up to Carlisle on Monday night, got to Carlisle about midnight, and then first thing Tuesday morning went to meet the supporters at Brunton Park, got on the coach, we left at 10am, we got to Plymouth at about 6pm, um, watched the game, got on the train again at 10pm, uh, uh, got on the bus again at, at 10pm, sorry. All the way up to Carlisle, got there at 5.30 on Wednesday morning, and then I went to the train station to get the train back to London. The two, sort of trying to think back into my experiences as a football fan, as a Watford fan in the Football League, the two biggest trips I've ever done is one on a, on a Saturday, so it's not even too bad, up to Sunderland on a coach. The coach really did make that uh, journey that little bit worse. Uh, and to Bristol City on a Tuesday night. And it is something about... The, the Tuesday night, the away night fixture, because if you do it at a weekend, I mean, it's still an arduous journey, but you can get back at a respectable time. Even if you've lost, you might be able to still make something of the day. If you go all that distance on a Tuesday, particularly a cold one, so this time of year is not too bad for it, I suppose, but if it's a, a thumping defeat and you're getting back home at God knows what time in the morning, it, it's got to be one of the times you must question, why am I doing this? Oh, God, it was extraordinary. You know, there were people who were getting off the coach um, back in Carlisle at 5.30 in the morning, and they were going to work. <laughs> you know, it had been touch and go. If there had been any more delays on the M6, they might have been late to work and they'd have been in trouble. Um, it's, it's a level of dedication and commitment that I just I can't even begin to get my head around. And the amazing thing is, I mean, for me, this was just a one-off. This was a part-time thing just for a story. They're doing it all over again next Tuesday. They've got QPR in the cup. I was going to say that. Where Carlisle is, geographically, you know, there's, there's only a few teams close by, and they're not even that close. Hartlepool, York, Accrington, Morecambe, they're all about an hour and a half's drive. Everywhere else, the exception of those four teams, the minimum journey is 170 miles, and that's just one way. Wow. 
I was going to say, Ian, you're um, obviously a South End fan who's lived in the North East, so you're, not, you're no stranger to travelling sort of long distances to watch football. But this is sort of beyond that. And there's one guy in particular I want to ask you about, a guy called Jeff, who um, I saw you tweet about. You were sat next to him. Hasn't missed a home game since 1956 and missed three away games in 53 years. Yeah, what a plastic. <laughs> three games, man. What's he playing at? <laughs> Tell me about he him. He was extraordinary. He, he was absolutely extraordinary because he um, is uh, obviously you know, a veteran supporter. He runs a, 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 I mean, he's a joiner, runs a company up in Carlisle. And you know, back in the 60s, he was actually employing half the first team with wages not being what they are now. You know, the, the summer would come, they wouldn't be earning much, so he'd get them working for him. And then he'd still go off and, and watch the team. And he just... You know, he's there on every single coach. Down he goes. Very softly spoken man. Built like a medieval siege tower. But very, very, very quiet. Just sits there. You know, the fourth goal went in down there. He shakes his head. And gets back on the bus. I said to him, you know, how does that feel? Eight hours down here to see your team get tonked. He said, ah, we've had worse. You think, how have you had worse? (laughs) And then you realise he's been watching them week in, week out for over 50 years. And, and, I mean, that is... You know, hearing it like that, and it's the remarkable thing. I, I think we we all take it for granted uh, in this country, really, because there's nowhere else like this in, in the world. It's you know, it's one of the reasons why we do what we do. You know, the football league is an amazing thing, and you have these long these these, these committed fans who watch their club week in week out through thick and thin, and you know, teams will take that hundreds, if not thousands, of of fans to far flung grounds and you know, dismal nights and. There's nothing else like it in, in world football, really. You see, you know, Italy, Spain or wherever, away games, away following, it's, it's almost non-existent at times. I think it's a very British thing. Um, and the, what really struck me on this, this coach trip was we were two and a half hours down the motorway before someone mentioned the game. Uh, everything apart from that was just like an old-fashioned British summer holiday thing. You know, the sandwiches and parties going down the back, spot the ball competitions, <laughs> bit of a sing-song, all of that. It wasn't... It wasn't really about the football. I mean, one one supporter said to me afterwards, she said, um, you know, it's the same old thing. We have a lovely day out and then the football comes and ruins it. They're, they're, <laughs> it's, it's like a, it's a big community. They call it their, their family. You know, these are the, it's the same people largely week in, week out. There's 42 seats on the coach and 28 of the people there are season ticket holders for the away games um, for, for the buses. So that's the same 28 people going whether they win, lose, draw, whether it's raining, whether it's sunny. You know, that's, it's what they do. And that's, that's the one thing they all said. Every single person I spoke to and said, why do you do it? They just said, it's what we do. We're Carlisle supporters. And they really are. Um, we should say that um, Skybet have um, offered to cover the costs of tickets and travel for all the fans that did go, which I think was a, a nice um, offer. And as you say, they've got QPR away uh, next week in the, in the League Cup as well. In terms of the actual game, though, um, 4-1 defeat to Plymouth. What did you make of the actual match? Um, <laughs> having been so nice about Carlisle, uh, <laughs> probably going to upset a few people now. I thought Plymouth were very, very good. They uh, they really trying to pass the ball there under Derek Adams. Lots of uh, lots of quick passing from the back, and lots of imaginative passing as well, looking for gaps. Um, some really nice balls into the channels for people to run onto. I thought they looked very, very strong indeed. Carlisle, it was a little tricky. There's there's plenty of heart, and to be honest, in the first half. It's very, very even. It was only a slip from the right back that, that enabled the first goal. And in the second half, they were blown away. Um, they had absolutely no answer to Plymouth at all. And 
yeah, there was a period where it was horrible. It felt like everything was going in. They were just pouring through them. Um, yeah, Carlisle had a very difficult season last season. Carlisle have had very difficult seasons for a long, long time. Um, I don't think it's going to change dramatically. I don't think there'll be, you know, there, there wasn't anything there that looked so terrible. You think they get relegated. Um, but I, I'd be surprised if they came much higher than mid-table. And, um, and just finally, Ian, where can people read your um, sort of catch-up about um, this whole trip? Because you've, you've, you went up there for a piece, didn't you? Yeah, it was all for ESPN FC, um, and that will be going up very, very soon. We're just going through and editing it because I appear to have written what looks like a small book. Um, so we're going to have to cut that all down to size. People have written books about a lot worse subjects than that. Yeah. <laughs> Although be yeah, careful, it's... otherwise you'll be, <laughs> you'll be doing one every week. Honestly, with the, the interviews that I got, the people I spoke to, the stories I heard, I, you could make a book out of that one trip. I, I might actually have to talk to someone about that. Um, it, it was uh, just a truly extraordinary couple of days with some really wonderful people and, um, you know, a really positive story about football for once. So that was Ian McIntosh talking to us earlier about his midweek trip to Plymouth um, to watch Carlisle get humped for one. Amazing, really, isn't it? And it it's, it's definitely the sort of thing that people who aren't fans of football or even people who aren't fans of football league clubs, let's just say, uh, will look at and think, why on earth are they doing that? What is wrong with these people? <laughs> and unless you've done it, you know, I, I've never been on a trip quite that that long, but, you know, as I said, I've, I've done a few here and there, and we, we all have uh, from time to time, and it's, it's part of being a football fan. You know, unless you've done it, you don't know what it means to travel, to, to see your team play away on a Tuesday night on a Wednesday night Sunday Saturday whenever it is you know in the middle of January you know it's freezing cold or it's or it's raining and you're on a terrace and you're standing outside none of that matters it's all about following your team because every game you've got that hope you've got that hope that they're going to win and those experiences those miserable nights where you're driving home down the motorway you're getting that speeding ticket or, or whatever you're getting in at 5.30 and having to go to the work, work straight away when you win eventually or when you get promoted or when you have those amazing days it's all worth it it's all worth it it is it really is although having said that i, I do think that the bad days probably outnumber the good days well they do everyone. i suppose they do but you know yeah there's a bit of a there, we know i suppose it's kind of part of the, the 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 average football league fans dna there's a bit of masochism in all of us isn't there absolutely right um, if you want to read Ian's piece then that'll be up on the ESPN website right about now in a minute we're going to um, take a look back at what's been going on in the last seven days in the Football League and we're off to the Rico Arena you're listening to We Are Going Up we've got the Football League covered So what a start to the season then for Coventry City. They are sitting pretty on top of League One. Played three, won three, uh, goal difference of plus seven, banging in the goals. Uh, things really looking up for Tony Mowbray uh, and everyone at the Rico this season. And um, we thought we'd celebrate that fact, DC, by speaking uh, to Mr Andy Turner, who covers Coventry for the Coventry Telegraph. Um, so we spoke to Andy a little bit earlier. The line's a little bit in and out. Uh, I couldn't hear it too well this end, but we're going to play the interview and uh, we'll have a chat about what's been going on in League One off the back of it. Uh, so this is Andy Turner from the Coventry Telegraph and I started by saying to Andy, it's been a fantastic start to the season for Cov. Did you expect this? Yes, I think so. I mean, I think when Tony Mowbray um, took over um, and finally sort of signed a, a longer-term contract uh, at the back end of the season or in the summer, um, I think there was a lot of optimism um, around 
the city, but, um, that things would pick up. But um, I certainly didn't foresee such a, an effective start to the season, particularly given um, you know, the, the way that the pre-season went, you know, not particularly inspiring, uh, particularly the, the, the last game um, against Oxford at Nuneaton. So, um, so, but it's come as a pleasant surprise, and hey, you know, let's enjoy it while, while it lasts, and hopefully you know, the signs are there that it's going to stick around for some time. I seem to remember just by... You know, thinking back off the top of my head, quite a, a, a number of times when Coventry were in the Championship, that they started the season quite well, won the first few games, maybe top of the table in August or or September, and then it all sort of falls falls away. And obviously, you'd be hoping it doesn't happen again this time. But I, I was reading some other fans' views on the games on on the message boards earlier on, and it does seem to be quite a, a sense of optimism. And I think you know this this little glimpse of 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 success three games in though he may be you know you can see that the fans are really desperate to, to have something to cheer for because it's just been so miserable for, for so long well it has I mean ever since they dropped out of the Premier League I mean I go back to my started doing this job there in 98 and um, you know we had some fantastic games you know some opening day victories against Chelsea I think they did that twice um uh, in quick succession, they, they thumped Arsenal at Highfield Road. You know that, that fantastic three-two against um, Man United when Huckabee got that fantastic winner. Um, you know, and they had players, they're fantastic players, Robbie Keane's, the Hadjis, you know, you name it. That, that could, on their day, you know, cause an upset, upset, and that did happen occasionally. But now, when they dropped out of the Premier League, I mean, it was just. It was all sort of downhill all the way, wasn't it? And uh, and it, it has been a miserable sort of um, decade or more. Um, and they just so deserve um, some success. Um, and the problem has been, I think, uh, it's, it's been sort of consistency. They've never had, um, you know, a consistent team. And even going back to last season, or recent seasons, you know, what they've had this season in the first three games is a level of consistency. And I'm not going to get carried away because it is only three games in, but what they've had that they didn't have last season is that in those three games, those three league games, um, and to a degree at Rochdale, is that um, the players have been in control of the game. They've lost possession for a lot of the game, but even when they've been out of possession, it looks like they're in control. Um, and I think that's a huge difference. I mean, please remember that, you know, they could be fantastic for the first 45 minutes and dreadful in the second half. You never knew what you were going to get the next in the second half or the other way around. You know, they, they'd start off really slowly and then suddenly you come, come to life in the second half. Whereas now, I think the big difference is that Mowbray's got them so well organised and he's got such a, a strong um, unit of players in there that they just look, even when they're under pressure, you know, they just look in control of the game. And they, they seem to be playing... Really nice football as well. Watch, from watching the highlights of all the games so far, there's been some really, really nice goals, some little one-twos, good combination play. And I suppose you shouldn't be surprised about that, really, because Tony Mowbray does have a reputation for playing nice football and, 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 and doing well. But he has been talking about, you know, it's all well and good playing good football now. But what's going to happen, you know, come December, January, February, when those some of those pitches in League One maybe mean they can't do what they're doing right now so I suppose it's good from from that point of view that he's thinking ahead yeah I mean well yeah and you know that's where his sort of fantastic experience come comes into play it, it is you know um, a long old season you know and you know, that, that's why he's still this sort of big target man if you like so for the times when when the chips are down you know, they've got to perhaps be a bit more direct 
Um, and, and perhaps the only way to play on, on a really bad pitch is, you know, to, to look up to, to the big man, you know, and, and feed off him. But, um, you know, Mowbray's a smart cookie. You know, he, he's done ever so well. I mean, people, and fans were, were getting a, a little bit jittery in the summer, sort of thinking, oh, you know, when are we going to sign a player? You know, we've only got a couple of signings in. You know, everybody else is making three, four, five signings or something like that. But he's maintained all along that... Because of his limited budget, he's going to get the most for his money and he's going to get the right players rather than just getting players in, which perhaps has been you know, one of the problems and one of the big criticisms in the past. The three signings that, that he has made, who, from what I can tell, have played really well so far. One being Adam Armstrong in particular. He's, he's scored the goal so far and everyone's talking about him. But Sam Ricketts and Romain Vincelot as well. Experienced players. And that is, you know, a defender, midfielder, a striker there. Three really good signings that give you the basis of a consistent team, as you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and you point out, I mean, it's straight down the spine of the team, isn't it? You know, I mean, Armstrong has been unbelievable, and, you know, and he's, he's sort of been reminiscent in a way of, you know, Robbie Keane's impact at the football club, you know. I mean, he's just, he's just a cut above at this level. He just stands out, you know. Now, whether he could do the same at premiership level, um, you know, he's yet to prove that. Um, but judging on his first three um, appearances for Coventry, you know, he's got all the attributes to make it at the highest level. He really has for a long time to come. But, you know, the other players you mentioned, I mean, I think Coventry's been lacking that sort of nasty, gritty sort of um, midfield for a long time, you know, and Vince has got experience um, and he goes about his business and, you know, he doesn't particularly catch the eye, but what he does, he just is so effective, you know, winning that ball back. Um, and then at the back, you know, you mentioned Sam Ricketts. I mean, he's just a fantastic professional. And, you know, he, I mean, he's so consistent. And he reminds me of Trevor Peake, one of my favourite players from, from that sort of era, um, because he reads the game so well. You know, he's quick. Um, you know, he, he's a fit lad for his age. He's got wonderful experience, you know, and, and that's going to be vital. And I think the younger players, they look up to him. Um, and uh, I think he's a fantastic leader on the pitch, but he, he's been outstanding, you know, just um, in, these, in these three or four games. One stat which... Um is really amazing is that last season Coventry's top scorer got six goals Armstrong's already scored five this season um, the one against Millwall was a, an absolute stunner so there is goals in this team um, 17th last year do, you know what, what would the realistic target be do you think for Coventry this season well it's difficult isn't it because if you'd asked me um, three or four weeks ago then I might have said sort of um, you know the table tenth maybe if they're lucky you know, but now all the components have come together. You know, you're thinking, well, you know, we've played Wigan, we've played Millwall, albeit, you know, it's, it's early in the season. And Wigan, for example, you know, I think they had uh, a massive turnaround of players. I think they had, um, uh, I think it was 11, 12, 13 players made their yep. debuts um, yep. when they came to the Rico. So they're going to take time to settle. But, you know, I I think that probably now has to be, you know, they've got to be looking at um, the players in them. You know, and who knows, but, you know, it's, it's a thin squad and we're only like two or three injuries and, and, and a recall for Adam Armstrong away from it all falling apart, you know. So, you know, we all saw a couple of seasons ago when um, Leon Clark and Callum Wilson were on fire and, you know, Christmas Clark um, goes off to, uh, to Wolves and, and Callum uh, suffered an injury and all of a sudden, you know, they're... they're the wheels came off, you know, for, for the month or so, you know, until Wilson then off it again. So, you know, you need a lot of luck. But, um, you know, certainly if they can maintain this level of performance, then there's no reason why they can't get promoted. 
So far, so good on the on the pitch then, but what about off the pitch? And we, we've all heard over recent years about the, the various problems that you've had there in terms of the finances, obviously the, the much publicised move away from the RICO. What's the current situation? Uh, well, it's just as, as you were, really, isn't it? I mean, you know, they don't own ground, and um, and that's sort of something that, that I think you know most fans would like to sort of put to the back of their minds. Really, you know, nothing's going to change there. You know, we're, the, the club owners maintain they're still um, looking or working on um, uh, a new stadium or a site for a new stadium. But you know, they've been saying that for goodness how many uh, years now. Um, and nothing's come to fruition. So I don't know where it's going to end. You know, uh, you know, there's still litigation going on through the, the courts and, and things like that. So you know, it's just a, it's just a mess, really. I mean, you know, I think the best thing that could happen right now is just for this this fantastic for the football to do all the talking for the football club, really, um, and and let's just enjoy that and try and forget about all the rest because seems no no sort of sign of. Uh, uh, it being one way or the other, you know. One thing that can have a positive effect, and it is fans turning up in in their numbers, and they, you know, they're more likely to do so if this run of form continues. If this attractive passing football is, is going to be a, a weekly thing at, at the Rico, I mean, the attendances haven't been great for for quite a long time now. But I mean, do you think we can they can start moving in the the right direction? Will we see more fans this season? I think we will. I mean, I think we've seen them already. You know, um, the fact that you know you can get um, eleven thousand, just over eleven thousand Coventry fans on a Tuesday night um, speaks volumes. You know, um, I mean, I think you have to remember that there's only two hundred and thirty-five pre fans on on Tuesday night. But but that's a great starting point. You know, and if it carries on, if if this football and the results carry on, you know, that that sort of builds momentum. You know, there's a buzz about the city now. You know, imagine what it's going to be like. You know, if they're if they maintain this sort of form, yeah, they're going to be sort of bumps along the way. But if they, if they sort of maintain their sort of position, um, certainly in the, in the top six, you know, when heading towards Christmas, then, then crikey, you know, I, I can see them opening that, that end up behind the goal um, before we know it because, um, you know, I think the fans will, will take, you know, get on board and, and, and come back because, you know, they've been starved of such a fantastic product for so long, you know, and, you know, if you get it right on the pitch, the, the fans will come out. There'll all be, always be those that, that won't come while the current owner's in charge. And, you know, you, you have to understand that and, and respect their, their decision to stay away. That, that's fine. But, you know, let's put that aside, you know. Let's come down and, you know, don't put your nose off to spite your face. You know, come down and watch, enjoy the football. That's what it's all about. You know, it's not, it's not about the owners, you know, because you know, they're not going to be here forever, you know, and... Um, most uh, owners of football clubs, uh, you know, come and go, and um, as managers do, you know, so just enjoy it while you can. That was Andy Turner from the Coventry Telegraph talking to us a little bit earlier on, on this week's We Are Going Up. Um, I hope they do keep it going. Yeah, I really do because they deserve a bit. Of, They've been a bit starved of... of any success. I think there's a start. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you probably know it better than me that I think they haven't finished in the top six of any division for in like the last 15 years or whatever. It feels like longer, surely, if you put the Premier League years onto that as well. Well, yeah, it pro- probably kind of, maybe since their FA Cup winning heyday back in the, mm. the late 80s, perhaps. Uh, anyway, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Although I've got to say there are occasions where teams, like you, you say, do win the first three or four games and then yeah. <laughs> by Christmas they're down the other end. Let's hope it doesn't happen to commentary. Yeah. Right, in a second then, we'll turn our attention to what else has been going on in the Football League this week. Stay there. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered.
Let's start then in the championship, um, where Bristol City managed to score twice in the last two minutes to get their first point of the new season against Leeds on Tuesday night. It's that man Aidan Flint again. He scored about, what was it, 15 goals last season? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, he got the equaliser. And it's been a bit of a traumatic start for Bristol City. They've put in, I believe, a £9 million bid for Andre Gray from Brentford, who has turned them down. Um, yeah, he doesn't want he's not obscene, up for it. That's an obscene amount of money to be bidding for for Andre Gray. Are they are they panicking a little because they've lost the first few games and they've not brought any in any players over the summer? Well, I think there has been a bit of disquiet amongst the Bristol City fans about the the lack of the lack of signings. Although they've made a few more recently, a few, a few loan players have come in. Was the same Jonathan Khadija as well, the, the striker from France. Um, but obviously they're they're in the market for for another striker. They tried to get Dwight Gale, he wasn't up for it. They tried to get Andre Gray, he wasn't up for it. Now I don't know what what's the reason. Is it is it location? Is it wages? I don't know, is it is it manager or is it be interesting to know why those two players have have actually turned turned down turned down the club? But they've obviously got a bit of money to spend, and nine million would have been a, a hell of a lot of money for Andre Gray. But I suppose that is just the knock on effect of the the fact that there is so much money knocking around at the moment. You know, when you've got Middlesbrough who who uh, they bought Nugent in the end, but they at one stage were looking at buying Rhodes for fourteen million, and it kind of makes other clubs go, well, if he's worth that much. This guy's worth this much. He's scored this many goals. He's got this many years left on his contract. This is how old he is. It all, all adds up and they, they can demand these prices. And if clubs are prepared to pay them, which Bristol City quite obviously are, well, they're going to, you know, why are they going to ask for any less? Of course, they're going to get as much as they, as they want. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where they where they go next because obviously you, you do need goals. They won the division in some style last year in League One. And I think people thought they would come up and it would, they keep the momentum going. But I didn't think they, they don't think they had the biggest squad last year. And, and and some players have left the club over the summer. So you know there there does need to be a little work, little bit of work to keep that momentum growing. And you do you do need to add quality players. And of course goals are the most important thing. Look at the look at the front men that they've got there. Is Wilbraham a, a player who's going to score loads of goals in the championship? Previous uh, evidence suggests not. Uh, you've got Kieran Agard who came back and scored last night. But you, you know. You, you, you need more, I think, and they're right to be trying to get a striker and we'll have to wait and see where they go. Um, Brighton started well, haven't they? Yeah. 2-1 uh, win against Fulham on Saturday and then they uh, they drew one all, actually, at Huddersfield midweek. They scored after 17 seconds. It was one of the... It was, it was, I was watching it and, and it was exactly the sort of goal that I always try and score on FIFA. <laughs> yeah. Just run at it from the kickoff. Ball went down the right it. wing, yeah. got it sort of level with the area, cut inside, ping it, shoot straight in the top corner. I'll tell you what, mate, there's some fantastic goals in the championship this week. Yeah. I've just got mm. a list of them here. I'm just going to reel them off to you. The Matt Taylor free kick for Burnley against Birmingham last Saturday was a belter. Diego Fabrini's goal for Middlesbrough against oh, Bolton. Fabrini, I told you, I knew there was a player in there somewhere. Look what at a him. goal that He's was. He's tearing it up. and he, I mean, he created the other two as well. Tremendous. Tom Kearney as well for uh, for Fulham has yep. scored two absolute Although belters sh- this week. shambolic defending before that, but yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Kevin McDonald for Wolves against QPR. Matty Phillips, a winning goal for QPR against yep. Wolves. And Scott Malone for Cardiff at QPR mm. on Saturday in injury time. Absolutely fantastic. Oof. And I was going to mention QPR, actually, because yeah. Charlie Austin scored in midweek and he's still there. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I was watching that game and and, and you think, right, this is a really good result for, for QPR here. They've come back from 2-0 down to beat Wolves, a strong team away from home. But the, the thing is, and you could probably say the same about Hull as well, is that you, you look at these, these teams now 
are those two players going to be there in, in two weeks' time come the end of the transfer window? Charlie Austin, almost certainly not. But fair play to him. He's obviously working hard and he's not sulking. He's, and while he's still there, he's playing and he's scoring. I think that, that deserves uh, some recognition. Uh, Matty Phillips as well. He, you know, he changed that game, scored a goal, made some others. And he... He's another player that's been linked with moves away. You know, the, the figures of like 10 million have been banded around. And if they end up getting 20, 25 million for those two players, you know, that's a big deal for a club in QPR's financial state. And while they, it's looking good for them at the moment, you're going to have a different situation, a different team. It, it, you know, it's all good having the money and they need the money, but can they go out immediately and replace those players? It's difficult to do. You're not going to be able to buy players as good as those two, certainly not, not in the immediate future you might buy players that can develop or you might get some loan signings further on in the window but they're not going to be able to hit the ground running necessarily uh, and and be as good right now as those two players are and and Hull I think are the same sort of proposition you know El Mohamed scored on Tuesday night he's a player that's been linked with a move away is he going to stay perhaps he probably more chance of him staying than those two QPR players but you could see him moving up to to the Premier League and, and there are other Huddleston's another player and you could put in that same bracket. They've got good squads now, but you've got to really judge them on September the 2nd. Well, like the three teams that came down last season, Hull have had the best start. Burnley uh, lost again in midweek, didn't they? 2 0 at Ipswich, who were top of the league. We should look a little mention for, for Mick. Mm. Sean Dyche was not happy with that penalty, which was awarded at the weekend. Yeah. It was never a penalty in the first place. One team I did want to mention before we leave the championship are Bolton. Oh, God, yeah. Um, DC. They've not scored a goal yet this season. No, they haven't. And you know how long ago it was since they last had a, a goal drought as bad as this one. Go on. Uh, well, Queen Victoria was still on the throne. <laughs> really? <laughs> it was 1885. Flies. Yeah. Right, so 1888, rather, uh, was when was when they last went on a, a goalless run as bad as the one they're currently was, on. Wasn't that when the Football League was formed as well that mm. year? I think it was. So, yeah, the very first season, that's... 126 years, their worst goal run in 126 years. They've just signed a new striker from Arsenal called Wellington Silver. Mm. I don't think I've ever heard of a professional footballer with the first name Wellington before. So maybe he's the answer to their problems. Well, maybe. And uh, one final thing, the um, the goal that Preston scored at MK Dons on Saturday in terms of great goals, I should mention that as well because that was an amazing counter-attacking goal scored by Sam Gallagher. So yes. you can hunt that one down on YouTube. I suggest Although, you would. Before we leave Bolton, uh, oh, go on, sorry. they may be struggling to, to score, obviously, but they also need to have a look at what's going on at their back. The goal that MK Don scored on Tuesday night, good grief. That centre-half, I had his name earlier, I've, I've not got it with me. There's a guy I got on loan uh, from Italy, from Atalanta. I've got a better first touch than that. <laughs> I mean, his first touch was like, went 10 yards in front of him, straight to the striker. Oh, terrible. And then he tried to come back and recover, fell over when he tried to tackle him. Awful. I think you're talking about Prince Deseguano. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Prince, yeah. He's the one. Didn't look like much of a Prince on that goal. Um, League One, uh, Swindon, mate, straight to the big decision. This penalty at Port Vale got in the 93rd minute. Have you seen this? It's basically, it's a corner to Port Vale. Swindon are winning 2-1. The corn, just, just as the corner's about to be taken by Port Vale, a Swindon player who's standing sort of, you know, 10 yards away from the where the corner's being taken, just on the edge of the area, you know, usual position, like a one-man wall. Yep. He goes down, injured, basically sort of, you know, he's obviously injured, puts his hand up as in to sort of indicate needs a bit of treatment or whatever. And Port Vale take the corner anyway. And then the Swindon, the Swindon defenders, I think it's Joe, Jordan Williams, sorry, decides to just like punch the ball out of play because obviously this guy's down and blah, blah, blah. And the referee gives a penalty. So obviously he thinks that the game's going to be stopped and he sort of catches the cross as it comes in. The ref gives the penalty in the 93rd minute and Port Vale equalise and it all kicks off. What's one of the first things you get taught as a kid? Play to the whistle. Play to the whistle. 
I mean, you can't catch the ball in the area if, if the referee hasn't blown his whistle. Well, about I know that Mark, Mark Cooper wasn't gone down happy about it. Mark Cooper wasn't happy. I think he went on Talk Sport, didn't he? I believe, yesterday. Uh, I think on Adrian Durham's show to defend uh, or to sort of give his point of view. I mean, I can, I can see the point of view, but still, don't take any chances. You know, you shout at the referee or whatever, but till he blows that whistle, you've got to be ready for what comes into the box. You've got to, you've got to deal with the situation. I saw, um, I saw Swindon on Saturday, actually. I didn't think they were that great. They drew two all with us. We were 2 0 up coasting, missed a penalty. Then they got one back about 20 minutes to go. And then Brendan Rodgers' son, Anton. Anton Rodgers, scored an absolutely fantastic free kick to equalise. And actually, his dad, Brendan Rodgers, was there oh, right. in the stands. Pictured on the touchline afterwards were David Flickcroft and Brendan Rodgers deep in conversation. Now, both of them are prone to coming out with what we would probably call David Brentisms in interviews. <laughs> so I would yeah. love to have been a fly on the wall to hear how that conversation was going. And then I went to our game with Fleetwood at home on Tuesday, which we lost 4-3. Yeah. And it sounds you like... You very happy about it. I was talking to you after the game. Yeah, it must have been a cracker. Very downbeat. That. It wasn't. It was, we were really poor. 4-3, let... though, sounds like a good game. Well, no, it wasn't. It just wasn't. It was just one of those games where we let in, we let in six goals at home already. You know, it just kind of mm. makes you feel the step up. Anyway, early yeah. days. Uh, Gillingham flying how have the new signing. How have the new signings been? Sorry, how have the new signings been? Leon Clark's been very good. Although you can tell already he's dirty. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's already had about three three yellows. So he, he's been good. I think he's already scored four times for us. Uh, Pope, Tom Pope, the guy we signed from Port Vale, yeah. scored a great header uh, last Saturday, set one up. The strikers have been very good. It's just the sort of the defence and the midfield which have been the, the problem so far. But it's early days. Early days. We've got crew away on Saturday and they're second bottom. So hopefully get the first win at the weekend. Um, Blackpool down there. Their situation goes from bad to worse, doesn't it, at the minute? Um, and Millwall haven't started too well. Mm. Oh, God, Joe. Millwall fan Joe Amphlett has been on the show a few times over the years. Um, you'll remember him being very, very angry last season oh, yeah. when they were yeah, right, yeah. right in the thick of it. Well, that's nothing compared to how he was on, on Wednesday morning when I spoke to him. Uh, he's relegation battle. He's saying Harris is out of his depth. We need a new, whole new, entire new back four before the window shuts. Um, <laughs> I was trying to make him see sense. Just saying, look, I know it's bad, but one, one win, just one win and it all looks better. You never know. But no, he's not having it. There they are in trouble, according to him. Already, yeah. League League Two, uh, it's Leighton Orient starting with three wins mm. out of three. Who would have thought? Hey, um, not me. That's for the sure. Chaos of uh, the chaos of last season. Uh, so they're joint up with Wickham, who've started well again. Hartlepool, three wins. Ronnie Moore's not been managing them, has he? Because his daughter has no. been ill. But he's um, back now, I think. So yeah, that's good to, good to see. And then Cambridge are fourth, and they had an amazing game at Carlisle last Saturday, a 4-4 draw. And you've got Plymouth and Northampton in the playoff places. Um, and down at the bottom, I'll tell you what, mate, your your prediction about Yeovil with a triple drop, the triple bounce, or whatever the, the opposite of that is. Um, yeah, triple three bounce. Games what played. is the opposite of the triple bounce? I don't know. I don't triple, know. Mm, um, a triple tumble. Yeah. Um, yeah. Three games, zero points. Well, I mean... Normally, me tipping somebody for relegation is a good omen for them, but it doesn't seem to be the, the case so far. And this, this on, on the subject of predictions, it's really annoys me that this time of the season because you, you know, it's so fresh in your mind, and you're looking out for teams going, "Oh no, God, I've tipped them to do well, and they've they've lost, or this guy hasn't scored yet." And what always seems to happen as well, with an eye on the league cup fixtures next week, whether I tip for top goal scorer, they they can't hit a barn door in the league, and then they go score hat tricks in the in the league cup. We've got Leicester in the league cup. It's another we are going up derby. Of sorts. It's a shame the Nuge isn't going to be there, so we could have a you know. We were so close. Watford was so close to drawing Luton. There were oh, four really? teams left in the hat, and two Who of them got... were, were Watford, and we instead got Preston away. 
Yeah. So not... speaking of long Tuesday night <laughs> yeah. away trips, I'm not going to be going up to Deepdale on Tuesday. That's a shame. Um, right, that's it, I think, for this week. We kind of mumbled our way through the, uh, the divisions there. It's still early days, and there's been a whole round of midweek games as well. So um, not, it's very hard to watch the midweek goals, do you not think? Especially if you're at a game. They're not unless you want to go individually onto all the videos on the Sky Sports website. I'm starting a campaign for a midweek football league tonight, Dave. I want an, after slagging it off last week, I want an extra edition. You coming round to it? Um I've got to be honest, I did flick through this week's to just to watch the goals, but it, it looked a bit more polished from the bits that I saw. Fair enough. Did I take it you didn't see it then from that? No, I've just been on YouTube. Like you say, I've, I've, I've you know, these days really, you can just go onto every single club, got the goals up there, and just watch them at your at your leisure. Nice to see Jamie Curiton on football league tonight at the weekend, though. Always nice to see Jamie Curiton wherever he is. Indeed. Um, if you want to tweet us this week, it's at Waggy Podcast, W A G U Podcast. The website is wearegoingup.co.uk. What else bits and bobs have we got to plug? Instagram, Instagram.com/slash/WaggyPodcast. Facebook page as well, and. Do some Instagrams on all your away days and your games up there in League One. Mm. Do a bit more Instagramming. Okay, you too. I've got nothing. Oh, no, you I can't, can't do can anything you? down here. What can I do? <laughs> you can't. I'd Instagram this studio. But it wouldn't be very interesting. No. Um, Try Instagram the aircon unit in the corner of the room. Yeah, please do, actually. Can you actually do that now? And people can go and find that and follow it. All right. Yeah. I will. Um, <laughs> we've teamed up with audible.co.uk to offer you a free audiobook of your choice. All you've got to do is register for a free one-month trial to claim your free audiobook. There are over 150,000 to pick from. Uh, the 30-day free trial means you can choose a free audiobook, which is yours to keep whether or not you decide to cancel during that trial period. And more good news, if you trial the service over a year ago, the good people at Audible are giving you another opportunity to uh, get your hands on another audiobook or get your ears around one more specifically. You know, I, you know, I said last last week when you gave the audiobook service a plug, and I said I downloaded the uh, Alan Partridge mm. uh, book. Yes, which is which is very good, enjoying it very much. Have you seen what's been, what's been happening over the last few days? What are you talking about the Chris Eubank youth hostel? Chris thing? Eubank, yeah, <laughs> he's finally gone youth hosteling. I saw that today. Brilliant. Um, I should give the the link audible.co.uk/slash going up. That's the page you need to go to to sign up. Right, that is about it for this week's show. Thank you to Andy who came on early. Thank you to Ian McIntosh. Thank you to all the uh, people that got in touch about your miserable away trips as well. Indeed. We'll finish by raising a drink, I feel, to the... Uh, how many Carlisle fans was it? I think I've got the number here somewhere. I think it's about 150 or something like 165. Where is it? 169 Carlisle fans who made that 780-mile midweek round trip to Plymouth. Same again next year, lads. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.